Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we wrap up the San Diego Comic-Con with the Major Spoilers panel. What got our attention? What do you need to know for the coming nerd months? Who let that rhinoceros on this bus? Will that joke ever stop being funny? All this, plus our kick-butt poll of the week. But right now, the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 687 of the Major Spoilers Podcast, our San Diego Comic-Con wrap-up this week. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, everyone, who uses that Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, very seriously, someone the other day was like, I didn't realize that when we use that Amazon link, it helped you out so much. And it, literally, it does. In uh, a single month, if you continue to use that Amazon link at Major Spoilers, it pays for the server cost to host the website. So that's uh, that's kind of a big deal for us. And so thank you, everyone, who continues to use that as it helps keep this show afloat week after week. So uh, Matthew is here this week and Rodrigo is here this week. Ashley is out this week. She was at the San Diego Comic-Con last, last uh, weekend, uh, week weekend, and uh, she got no voice. She was busy at the Top Cow booth, which is uh, where she does some work. And she was also hosting a couple of uh, DC panels. Uh, so... Um, Busy girl, lost her voice, and uh, she will be back, I think, really soon. So uh, we hope that she has a speedy recovery. So San Diego Comic-Con did wrap up, and mm. I thought we'd spend the entirety of this episode just kind of reflecting on things that went on, some things that were talked about, some reveals that were made, things that we thought were important, uh, and maybe some observations. Now, one question that a lot of people have asked me in the last couple of days, and maybe you guys may get a feel for it if you were following any of the um, any of the major coverage, was... Did this year feel like a slow year or a low year uh, for Comic-Con as far as announcements? It didn't feel like it was a frenetic as last year. But then again, I, I, I want to say that last year we had the question of whether it felt like a really heavy year. So eh. I think honestly, I think um, especially because so much more, so much of Comic-Con now is movies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the slate of major comic book movies has been set for so long right. that they can't shatter our universes with an announcement, uh, you know, except in so far as it's like, oh, you know about that movie? We finally cast a person to be in that movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we already knew that the movie was coming, right? right? There are kind of no surprises because even... When you go to the comic book side of things, it's still a lot of like, well, Rebirth is chugging along and that thing that we've well, been setting up with Spider-Man is also yeah. going to continue to be happening. Well, let me ask you, let's start off with that, because I know a lot of our conversation tonight is going to be focused on the movies and the TV side. We do have some comic book stuff to throw in there. But one of the things that I've, I've said before is, you know, a lot of these things is 
they're just announcing a book title if they have anything new and maybe some new creators. But for much of the company, a lot of those announcements were made months ago or they were in the new solicitations, which people got on Friday that we were just allowed to release uh, Monday this week on the major spoiler side on, on, on the Marvel side. But you're right. A lot of it is just like, hey, here's the story. Here's mm-hmm. some concept art. Here's kind of a direction we'd like to go. But that's that's nothing set in stone. Like, for example, on the Supergirl panel, one of the things they pointed out was that, hey, and this is a Supergirl, the comics, not Supergirl, the TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara is not just about putting villains in jail. She also wants to um, to uh, rehabilitate them. And that's what we want to do in this Supergirl comic. That's not telling me anything that I can't right. read somewhere else. And they're like, oh, and wait till you see what happens. And literally it's a quote. Wait till you see what happens when Kara finds out that, spoiler alert, her father, Zor-El, is really cyborg Superman. Ah. Well, anyone who's been reading the comic knows this because <laughs> it was in the comic. So it, the only surprise is for the character in the comic. Right. And that's not surprising. So right. the most surprising quote came from Dan Slott on Twitter I think on Sunday afternoon, he said, okay, not bad. The SDCC Spidey panel concluded with pretty much all of the dead, no more clone conspiracy twist turns and secrets intact. Why am I going to go to that panel? That's a good thing though. I mean, at least from a Dan slot perspective, from a Dan slot perspective, but I think this is what, when a panel becomes a rehash of a press release that was sent out two weeks ago, two weeks prior to the show, why are we going to those panels? Why are we interested in those panels? Are we interested in those panels? I think that the main reason would be that, A, not everybody reads the press releases, and B, it's, for instance, one of the things that was revealed was an actor that we knew was in a movie that we knew about revealed the name of the actor that he's playing or the character that he's playing. And that, to me, was a moment where I'm like, well, this is surreal, because we knew that it was Kurt Russell. We knew what he was doing. We even knew the character's role within the narrative. We just didn't know who the character was. Right. Well, that's a little bit on the movie side, I think, is a little bit different. I'm talking specifically about the panel. Like, um, did you really need to go? And I'm not putting any of the the companies down. Well, I'm just saying, for example, the Boom Studios panel uh, for um, uh, the Power Rangers was all about how, hey, this is our biggest Selling series ever. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right, see you guys later. Hey, can we ask you questions about what's coming up next in the series? No, because we don't want to give it away. Oh, can we tell you who's going to be the upcoming creators? No, we can't tell you that because that would be giving it away. Oh, can you tell, do you have any thoughts on on the direction of this? No, we we can't because that would be giving it away. Sorry, Rodrigo, go ahead. You know what I think? Um... No, I mean, and, and you're right. They can't give anything away, so definitely those questions are immediately out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but people still ask do, them. Panels do give people an option, assuming that there's a Q&A. They do give people the option to, say, go up and be like, hey, um, I really like this aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What were you going for with this? Or potentially, I think your adaptation of that terrible thing continues to be terrible. Why are you doing this? Which is probably uh, some of the stuff that actually like cracked my radar. Um, yeah. As far as uh, what I want to say, um, Batgirl. Uh, 
Batman. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Killing That's Joker. what I was getting at. I, I, I was like, controversy. Controversy mm-hmm. is what I was trying to say as far as any controversy at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. At least this year, nobody got stabbed. No, no. And really, that's kind of the nicer things about Comic-Con is it's really become super friendly. And I'm not trying to put San Diego Comic-Con down uh, because I do. I, I think one of the benefits of going to panels, whether they be media panels or whether they be publisher panels or cosplay or whatever that they have going on, because really, if you just wanted to go to Comic-Con just for the cosplay and never go to any of the other panels except for the cosplay stuff, you wouldn't have enough time to go do all of those things. If you wanted to just go and do the, you know, a gaming track or if you wanted to go yep. and just do stuff that was going on outside the convention center, you could do that for three days and never set foot inside a single panel. Yeah, going to Comic-Con is a lot like going to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It's like right. you can just go and do the rides or the stores or the mm-hmm. shows. Yeah, right, or the you can't necessarily do it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you can't actually do everything or you have to like really pick and choose what out of which you're going to mm-hmm. want to do. Right. So one of the big benefits of going to San Diego Comic-Con or really any major con, okay, is that you do get access to some things that other people don't get access to. For example, the Guardians of the Galaxy footage that was shown in Hall H on Saturday night. We have that has yet to be released, and James Gunn says we're not releasing that until an appropriate time in the future, which means I don't know when the movie comes out, uh, about two months before that. Um, but you also get access to creators, so if you can get autographs, you can ask those questions like, hey man, um, I'm not really digging on what you guys did with, with Batgirl in uh, the Killing Joke movie, at which point one of the people on the panel will, will call you a, a term that is not appropriate and uh, cause even more controversy from that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are some ups to going to Comic-Con. I'm not trying to put the whole thing down, but in some cases, specifically with Boom Studios, they had two weeks prior to the show where they were like, hey, here's our road to Comic-Con announcements where every day we are letting you know about Something that we're going to be talking about at the show, whether it be their new slam uh, comic series that's about roller derby. Um, now, I don't think in that initial release they said who the creators were. They did announce that afterwards or they did announce it at the panel. But uh, before Comic-Con even started, we knew what Boom Studios was going to be talking about and what their new upcoming projects were. Same way with Dynamite. Um, the morning of each day, they sent out a big press release that said, hey, here's everything we're announcing today. And boom, there you, you kind of knew it. Uh, granted, um, everybody and their brother has a comic book blog or website or something these days. Uh, so that information gets out there. Um, but a lot of this stuff get, does get out ahead of time. And as you said, Matthew, in, in the case of Rebirth, hey, we're still chugging along with Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some ways I prefer that because it's difficult. It's really difficult in a world where the solicits are done three months in advance mm-hmm. and they're out two months, you know. To actually surprise us. And while yeah. I don't necessarily agree with the tone that he takes about it, I think that Slot has a point when he says, I don't want this to be revealed until you guys get to sit down and read it for yourself. Sure, sure. There's something to be said for that. And I feel like when I started reading comics, everything was a massive surprise. And mm-hmm. part of that was because it was 1984, there was no internet. And unless right. you read even, you know, like the mile high comics coming attractions, you still wouldn't get a real idea of what was going on. I remember hearing about long shot number one and going, well, that sounds stupid. That character will never stick around. Yeah. You wait for the, wait for the previews catalog or wait for a wizard to talk about it. So right. interestingly, I don't, I, I get it. I'm not trying to sound jaded. And although I'm sure it really comes off well, that you, way. You, you absolutely are, but in a good way. No. Uh, so way back a long time ago, um, I used to work for an internet company where we talked about the, um, film and video audio animation industries, you know, Uh, And we were getting the press releases and putting up day of and writing stories and having all this good content that was immediate. And 
Unfortunately, there was a, a publisher that we were working with who I don't know how the contract worked out, but we got access to their magazine that we could put up um, like the day after or with a few days after the magazine had gone on the shelf. So we were actually creating their website for them with all of their content. Mm-hmm. Problem was when I was doing this and I was charging one of their magazines, the problem was their magazine content as far as the news section was always three months out of date because they had to have the information <laughs> three months ahead of time to write the story, to get it in the publisher, to get it to the printer, to get all the shipments out to around the world, that if they were talking about what's going on at SIGGRAPH, which is actually going on right now as as this recording's going on, you wouldn't find out about it for another month and a half in the magazine form, where we would have it immediate. And so I guess part of this for me is we're in this world of immediacy and instant access to everything that – you know, the world can come to you no matter where you are. And San Diego Comic-Con can come to you even if you are visiting a website that has ads that pop up incessantly well, and, and cause the site to crash. You can still get your news that way uh, before going to Comic-Con. Well, and, and that's why, I mean, I have never, n- neither in the glory days nor in the dark ages nor now ever been to Comic-Con. Right. But from what I can see, that's why it's shifting. It has gone from this place where you go to get those big, giant, earth-shattering announcements mm-hmm. to, honestly, a lot of parties. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of different places where you can... It's the only place where like all of the delegates from the uh, major cosplayer families all come together and mm-hmm. decide who gets what territory. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's, uh, it's, the, it's a place where Hollywood, you know, just brings a cart full of stars and they walk around and they talk to people. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, where else does that happen? And it is, it just has become this place to kind of see and be seen this place to have your flag, this place to have your booth, this place mm-hmm. to have your little dockside area party boat out in the bay or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, but I really think that there are, and, and part of the, uh, I think, this downturn, and I'm not really saying that uh, Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con has uh, turned down, but this, I think this feeling that people have is because they can go to shows like Emerald City up where you're at, Rodrigo, or the Denver mm-hmm. Comic-Con or Planet Comic-Con or Salt Lake City Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or C2E2 in Chicago. I mean, there's a lot of things where people are getting inundated with a lot of this same stuff. Um, I believe Scott Kurtz uh, said this. Uh, someone asked him uh, what it was like to go to Comic-Con, and, and Kurtz said... Imagine taking $3,000 and throwing it in the toilet and then flushing the toilet. And that's what Comic-Con is like. Mm. And That is I, so I, cynical. Well, I, I mean, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Um, so I guess, I, I mean, I love Comic-Con. I love this time of the season. I love covering everything that we covered on the Major Spoilers website. And we couldn't even get, I bet we barely got the tip of the iceberg because of everything that was going on. I, I still think it's wonderful. I really love it. I think it's it's probably the best time of the year when you are able to sit down and look and see these wonderful things that people are talking about. Rodrigo, let's start off with you and let's talk about World of Wakanda. Right. So uh, I'm just like I was flipping through all the Comic-Con stuff and I'm just glad to see more Black Panther stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, I really think that they did a really good job with him in Civil War and they're fortunately finally is like marvel is like doing that right just riding that movie wave um to actually parlay that into things that work in the comics not just trying to do like a novelization of a movie right right but to be like okay 
Did you love that Black Panther in the movie? This guy is kind of like that, but also has got other stuff going on. Yeah. So the interesting thing about um, Black Panther World of Wakanda is it's focusing not necessarily on Black Panther, but a lot of the characters that we met in the first arc of Black Panther, uh, specifically the two uh, members of the uh, Dora. What is it called? The Dora Milaje. Milaje. The Dora Milaje. The the, uh, what are they? The security guards. Yeah, they're they're basically the, the royal guard. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, the first story arc is going to be written by Roxanne uh, Roxanne Gay, uh, mm-hmm. co-written by the uh, I forget the guy's name who's writing Black Panther right now. Tanahisi Coates. Yes, uh, I think th- that's how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. That is, those two are working together. And what I find most interesting about this, Rodrigo, is not only we are getting a second Black Panther series, you know, set in the world of Wakanda. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Roxanne Gay is Marvel's first black female writer. That, I was just like, I, I think I heard that. Oh, yeah, I saw that on, on the thing at Major Sports. I was like, that can't be right. I'm, I'm, I want to say Matthew? it is. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to think of anybody. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing this on um, on Hollywood, on, on The Guardian over at uh, BBC. I'm seeing it on BuzzFeed. I'm seeing it on The New York Times that right. Roxane Gay becomes the first black woman to write for Marvel. Good. It's like it's one of those things where yeah. you don't know how terrible it has <laughs> been until somebody points it out. You know, it's like, yeah. has there really... Has there really never been a black woman that has written for Marvel? Good Lord. Well, and that's not to say that, you know, there haven't been maybe black female artists. Right. Uh, But this is the first time that we have a black female writer. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's um, I think it was Tess Fowler. I want to say it was her. And I I don't want to misquote, but she was basically um, not necessarily in this, but uh, leading up to one of these announcements. She was basically like saying, hey, creators, if someone wants to give you a black female character to write and you're not a black female character, how about you pass and let them pick someone who is a black female writer to, to write yeah, those right. characters. And so it's kind of nice to see, especially when we have uh, the two characters who are in a relationship together, the two female bodyguards in a relationship together to see uh, Roxanne Gay uh, writing these characters, I think is, is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where this is going f- forward to. I mean, really, the solicit for this is, hey, the world of Wakanda, where we get to explore what's going on in Wakanda, the first story arc will be focusing on these two uh, b- uh, female bl- bodyguards. And mm-hmm. then suddenly it gets overtaken by uh, the Roxanne Gay aspect of, of the story, which sure. is, is still great. But it, it, you're right, Rodrigo, where you're just kind of sitting there going, really? Really? Wow. Yeah, and that's that, that's one of those things. You don't even think about it until it's made clear to you. I mean – a few years, even just a few years ago, it was unusual to find any female writer. So I think that this is definitely, this is the point where you get a step forward and we want mm-hmm. to see more of this. We want to see, you know, it, I believe that diversity is a goal in and of itself when it comes to the creators at Marvel. They've done a lot to make sure the representation is on the page. Right. Right. To make sure that the characters are representational, now having the creators be more representational, I think is a is a step forward. Mm-hmm. We don't. I'm know. trying to think if there are any black writers, black female writers at DC. Uh, probably not at the moment, but that may change going forward with some of the rebirth stuff. Um, one of the things that they did say during the panel is, "Hey, Black Panther: World of Wakanda, 
coming later this year, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, solicits went out uh, today. And I, I want to say that that's coming in October. October or November is when we will see the world of Wakanda. Cool. Yeah, November, November of 2016. Uh, and so going back to announcements that are not announcements, uh, many people might be excited about Wildstorm coming back to the DC universe. And that was Wild something that Storm. was that was something that was revealed at the DC panel. Uh, but then Jim Lee says, well, we can't really talk about it now. If you want to find out more, go to the New York Comic Con where we'll have a bigger announcement. Oh, gosh. <laughs> OK, that's just <laughs> You know, I did. I did like. Uh, there's a bunch of movie stuff that we can talk about uh, next. I did like during the DC panel on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, depending on where you're at, uh, that they did bring out their current actor, or sorry, their current director lineup for their upcoming movies. And yes, it was mostly male dominated, right? So you had Zack Snyder uh, come out. Uh, you had um, uh, Ben Affleck came, come out, who was then confirmed at that point that he was directing the Batman movie, the standalone Batman movie. But then you also had um, the um, uh, now I forgot her name. Penny is what is it? Penny, who directed the uh, Wonder Woman movie? Uh, I forget her name. So we had a female director up there. We also had an Asian director up there who's directing uh, Flash and one other I think it was um, who was the other black male director that was up there who was doing their one of their other upcoming movies. So I thought that on the movie side, from the director standpoint, you're starting to see better representation instead of six white guys up there. Even though is it's that still Patty Jenkins, yeah, Patty uh, Jenkins is is Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But instead of just seeing all white males up there, you're starting to see some diversification on uh, the directing side too, which is a big problem in Hollywood. And yeah. um, Patty Jenkins is. Uh, directing Wonder Woman, and we got to see our first trailer of Wonder Woman, and oh my gosh, you guys, that trailer is badass. Uh, in this house, I watched it as I was putting the story up on the site. I mean, and this was the other nice thing about DC is everything that they did this year, the minute that they showed it at Comic-Con, it was up on the web for people to see. Nice. Um, but as soon as it was done and up on the site, I knew I had about 20 minutes before the next story had to go, so I ran upstairs. I was like, Mason, you got to see this cool movie. And so we watched it, and he's like, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And then my wife walked in the room. I was like, wife, you got to stop and watch this movie. And I bet within, with just Saturday afternoon, we watched that thing about a dozen times. And it looks great. If you can see it on a big screen, like not just your computer screen, but a big screen, it looks great, you guys. And I am super excited about uh, the Wonder Woman trailer. It does look really good. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the uh, Amazons versus old timey soldiers fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, it looks <laughs> like they're just being decimated. Yeah, uh, I'm a little sick of Chris Pine, but you know that's. Why that's are you sick me. of Chris Pine? What has he done to you? Because he's in everything. Well, he's right now everything. he's in everything. He's in everything. I, you know what? I bet. I bet Chris Pine has been in fewer things than uh, Chris Hemsworth has been in. I don't like him that- either. That might not be true. Let's look. Chris Pine is in a lot of things. Like Chris Pine I think, is in I the think Star Trek and Yeah. He's so in here, Kurt, here, he's so in here the Zach Ryan. If we were to say what are the big movies, here's what he was in. He was in Wonder Woman. He's in Star Trek Beyond. He's in yeah. a movie called Hell or High Water that I bet no one has seen. Mm-hmm. Uh The Finest Hours, which again, I bet no one has seen. Uh he has been in uh Z for Zachariah. Into oh, the Woods. I love that movie. He played Cinderella's Prince in Into the Woods. Yeah. Horrible mm-hmm. Bosses 2. Vampire Lawyer with Chris Pine, which is a short. Stretch. Pageants with Chris Pine, also another short. Robot Chicken is Captain Jake in that. 
Uh, and then Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. That's what he's been in in the last couple of years uh, before Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at Hemsworth, Hemsworth has been Thor. in Avengers, Thor. Thor. He's going to be in the next Star Trek sequel. He's in Ghostbusters. The oh, yeah, and he was, yeah, he was in Star Trek because he's Chris Pine's dad. Uh-huh. The Huntsman's <laughs> Winter's War, In the Heart of the Wait, Sea, Vacation, Avengers. Thor is Steve Trevor's dad? Yep. yep. Oy. Avengers Age of Ultron, Black Hat, Thor the Dark World, Rush, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Red Dawn. So he's, I would say, uh, as far as notable movies in, po- in uh, geeky pop culture, I would say Hemsworth is in more notable stuff. Tired of Chris Pine. And then what's the other what's the other one that's uh um Captain America? There's what's his Chris name? Evans is Captain America. Chris Evans. And Chris Pratt is Star Lord and Oh, Jurassic by the way, World. as a follow up to last week's uh push uh major spoilers poll of the week, more people want to see a sequel to push than don't want to see a sequel to push. Oh yeah. Nineteen people said yes and sixteen people said yes. I think what? it's a little bit more than that. Uh, <laughs> so uh uh Chris Pine. Or no, I'm sorry, Chris Evans. Too many Chris's. That's the problem. Too many Chris's. That's your problem, yep. Matthew. Too many Chris's. They're all named Chris. Captain Chris America, Pine Civil War, Evans. Ant-Man, Avengers Age of Ultron, Playing It Cool, Before We Go, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Thor, The Dark World, Snowpiercer, The Iceman, uh, The Carlton Dance. I don't know. That's a video short. The Avengers. What's your number? <laughs> Captain America, Super Soldier, Captain America, The First Avenger. Winter so that's Soldier. a lot of that's a lot of uh, Chris Evans right there. Yeah, I'm OK with Chris Evans. Chris Evans has got that. I came up and uh, I was in not another teen movie kind of thing yeah. going for him. You know? what, what did you like most about the Wonder Woman trailer, Matthew? I love the fact that she is actually colorful. <laughs> when she steps up yeah. out of that trench in that, World that, War One, That blue trench wearing, with blue skies and blue smoke and blue red. costumes. She's, yeah, well, I, the orange and blue argument I can have all day long. No, I didn't say it was an orange and blue. I just said that everything is a, it's a blue palette when she steps out. But yeah. you're right. We do oh, get to see. It'll be orange. We do Later. get to see um, red um, red tunic. Yep. Uh, and a blue blue uh, war skirts. And, and the, her boots look phenomenal. And the lasso glows when she uses it. I'm going to be real right now. Okay. I wanted to see Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And then somebody posted the gif of Gal Gadot dancing and doing the Wonder Woman spin. Mm-hmm. You, that trailer could be four minutes of utter crap, and I would want to see Wonder Woman based on the fact that I saw Gal Gadot laughing and spinning and doing well, the dance. She, she's really one of the best parts of Batman v Superman, especially when she's fighting Doomsday. There's a moment where she gets knocked down, I mean, really hard, and then mm-hmm. she just kind of has this weird smirk on her face as she's getting up to go back into the fight. Mm-hmm. And even Zack Snyder, when they were filming it, they were like, he was like, why, why did you do that smile? And she was like, well, Wonder Woman would be all into this war stuff. And so I just figured that she was she was really happy about being in the battle and being able to fight. And Snyder's like, wow, that's really great. Let's keep it in. And uh, she was she was really the best part of Batman v Superman. And that's why I'm very excited about this upcoming movie. <laughs> I like she's I the like, hubcaps on that tractor, baby. I hope I hope that is like that is a true story, because like, is, is I, I really want I really it, want yeah. Zack Snyder to be like, why is anybody smiling in my movie? That's <laughs> basically what it is. And, and Snyder <laughs> will confirm that. Why are you smiling at my movie? And Gal Gadot is like, because Wonder Woman would smile, biznatch. And he's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, what is there? Is there anything that you're concerned about, Rodrigo, with the Wonder Woman trailer? Chris Pine. <laughs> no, Chris Pine will be fine. Biggest concern, Chris Pine. Chris no, um, with, not with the trailer. 
the trailer actually seems to do a pretty decent job. If nothing else is like, you know, with the uh, Steve Trevor character being like, I can't let you do this. And she's like, you can't, you, you're not letting me. I don't, you can't, I don't, I don't right, you don't right. have any control. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you so go away nice. with your face on your uh, head. You know, in general, uh, I, the most disheartening thing about Wonder Woman was the thing was like, check out the Amazons. And there were like white ladies. Mm. Well, that's um, that was something that came up. Um, sure. A couple that of was a long ago. time. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was a, that was a while ago. But mm-hmm. the trailer itself didn't have any further problems that I could spot from the like two times that I've seen it. So mm-hmm. also shown uh, at the convention was the um, was a Justice League sizzle sizzle reel. That uh, really kind of gave us a feel for what this movie is going to be about. Rodrigo, what's your, what was your reaction to that uh, Justice League footage? Um, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot despite Batman versus Superman because it, right. it does seem to be tonally different. Um, but you know, I mean, it's like. Gal Gadot can only carry so much (laughs) you know it's like Aquaman looks interesting and the Flash looks interesting and everything but I'm like Mm -hmm. "Uh, I don't don't want I don't want to get back into this you guys yeah no as much as people might be bagging on uh, this from the Batman v Superman because this is the sequel to that I found it kind of refreshing I thought it was quite a bit different than what we saw in Batman v Superman where it was like dark 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 this definitely has a dark palette but also at the heart of it is some from the what we saw. Now, again, this could be totally different from what we end up with. It seemed like there was a lot of heart in this and more than a few bits of humor mm-hmm. in that we get to see um, Batman in, in the opening part is uh, looking for Aquaman, the stranger that comes up at the at the King's Tide. And then Aquaman grabs him and got him up against the uh, up against the wall. And Bruce is just like, so I hear you talk to fish. Uh, and then when he has this interaction with uh, with uh, Barry Allen and even before Bruce can finish saying, hey, we want you to join our team. Barry's like, yes, I'll, I'll definitely do this. And Bruce is like, really? Why? And he goes like, I kind of need friends. I, you know, and just this. And then when the uh, the implication is that maybe Aquaman doesn't join the team at first. And he has a very playful turn with with Wonder Woman on whether someone is more or less interested or less interested in in joining the team. So it felt like, and again, this is probably definitely a reaction to Batman v Superman. It feels like this movie may have a, a lighter tone than what we saw before. Mm. Now, Matthew hated it. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Because I have seen about half of Batman v Superman now, and it didn't feel like it was different. It felt like it was literally cut from that same cloth for me. Now, again, I am not the target audience for, you know, the dark, gritty, must-climb-higher, blood-flooding, chest-cavity Batman. And I really do. And I've been frustrated and vocally frustrated about the take on Superman that is basically super Batman, only a jerk. But the thing about it is, and this is really the thing about any big team story Mm -hmm. for me, it's not going to be about the big players. It's going to be about the utility players. It's going to be about, do I believe cyborg? It's going to be about why is Mm -hmm. the flash wearing that weird power ranger armor? It's going to be about, can Jason Moa Moa actually make, you know, 
Aquaman into a figure that people will stop making fun of. Oh, and I please. think that's definitely just from the trailer. And uh, and something separate from Namor, because a lot of the time when DC mm-hmm. is like, let's clean up Aquaman or actually let's dinge up Aquaman and blah, blah, blah. He like mm-hmm. really starts going down that, down that Namor route. And yeah. that's, you know, kind of a well, problem. The people, the general public who make fun of Aquaman because he talks to fish have no idea who Namor is. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, yeah, the interest is the thing, the thing that they have to do with Aquaman in this movie is to make sure he's not just uh, what is his name, Cal Drago. That's what yeah, they have. That's what right. they're fighting against. Well, and he has the potential to be the Thor. He has the potential mm-hmm. to be the character that all the ladies I work with want to go see this movie from because a he's very very attractive and b he's a character that you can look at and go okay this is the character that I'm going to root for this is the guy. I don't know if it's just something about Thor, but all the women I work with love the Thor. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, of course they and- do. It really it really does give him that ability to be the Thor, because in this movie, he will be literally a fish out of water. He will literally have his shirt off half the time. And he will be the Thor. And that's a good thing Mm -hmm. that will draw eyes who might not have even seen this. You know, your Game of Thrones people are like, oh, look, Cal Drogo is now an Aquaman. Mm -hmm. Maybe even if he is more Cal Drogo than Arthur Curry, that may not be a bad thing. No, I don't think so. We've seen with Iron Man, we've seen with Captain America that the footprint of what the character is perceived as can change greatly. Now, granted, neither of them have the high profile that Aquaman has had for decades. I don't think Iron Man had ever before his movie gotten to the level of recognition that an Aquaman has. But this is something that this really could, if it's done well, turn around your Aquaman. It could really put cyborg in in that top tier light for the general public it can do a lot of good things for a lot of good people i'm still i'm not irritated i understand it it's a decision that i do not appreciate and do not agree with but i know why they're doing a separate distinct barry allen flash Mm -hmm. it's a it's a different universe i mean that's something definitely that uh, diane nelson has mentioned before that she says hey look these are different universes they can we can have a universe where a Barry Allen exists in a television world and a Barry Allen exists in the cinematic world. We have yeah. so many t- tales if, to ter- tale uh, tales to tell about these characters that this multiverse allows us to do something. That's that's a general summation of kind of her her view on this. I think what I'm still I'm still uh, split on, and I asked people this on on Twitter. I was like, well, what do you guys think of the new Barry Allen armored suit? It, it is really kind of inspired by the Injustice video game series. Uh, some people uh, really dislike it. Like, Matthew, you really dislike this this costume for, for Barry Allen. I the do. The Flash costume. And this, this is the thing. We had this discussion on Twitter. We'll have it again now for the people who don't follow mm-hmm. us on Twitter. And if not, why not? At Major Spoilers, at Mighty King Cobra, we yell at each other No, we don't yell at lot. each other because I don't use all The cats. Barry Allen uniform, mm-hmm. as created in 1954, 58, mm-hmm. whatever year that was, showcase number four, is one of the classic uniforms. It is not perfect, but it is darn near perfect. And when they adjusted it for uh, Wally, when they made those changes uh, based on the 1990s Flash television series, it lost some of its luster. And then they brought it back to its original thing, and then they brought Barry back, and they brought back the straight belt and blah, 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 blah. I feel like the TV version went, we have to do something different. We have to do something that looks realistic. 
And they pulled it off. They made it look like a garment that a human being could wear. This movie version, based on the two pieces of imagery that I've seen, thank you, is a very derivative. It, it looks an awful lot like the Iron Man armor in a lot of the way that the interlocking bits and pieces are. Mm-hmm. It's black, primarily, with red accents and very little gold. Mm-hmm. And a Flash uniform is always red and gold to me, red and yellow even. And I just, I don't know, it worries me that in a world where Batman walks around wearing, you know, an old iron stove, that the Flash is armored. I understand impact proofing. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, because, you know, if the Flash can outrun a bullet, why does he need, why does he need this, this armor, right? right? I mean, is uh, he can outrun no. the bullets, he can outrun the lightning. That's, that's the part no, that I'm, like, I'm confused on. If he had a helmet, if he had like uh, knee pads and elbow guards and he things does to in the his, in his the wrists. costume, he does have that stuff built into the costume. But it's armor. Yeah, it's yeah. It is weird because after after all of these years of like plastic head Batman, mm-hmm. they finally dialed it down to this like more cloth look, mm-hmm. this like more free look. So it's like. They're like, but somebody has to wear big, stupid armor. <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> Cyborg is for. That's what Cyborg is for. No, Cyborg is going to have a really cool streamlined look, and and Flash is going to be the armor. So guy Grant Gustin, when he, Grant Gustin, when he took a look at this, he was like, "Oh, this is sick, 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 sick." Uh, I really see where they're going with this. He goes, "It's different than the television show," um, but he tended to, in his in his Twitter response, seem to really like the costume. Well, sure. First of all, Grant is a super upbeat, positive guy. And that is one of the things that I really appreciate him if you follow him on the Twitter. <laughs> and but second, more, Warner Brothers threatened this family. <laughs> Warner I Brothers has, I has made him into a household name. No. Yeah. Well, well he does own a lot you, to that. If you discount the side his bread is buttered on, that's the thing. Everybody has their opinion, and all opinions are equally valid and equally invalid. So I appreciate. That it works for people. And when it's in motion, when it's on the movie, when it's got the the visual effects and the inevitable lightning everywhere that it will have, because flashes have lightning everywhere, it's a rule, it, it may look awesome. I'm perfectly willing to admit that if it gets to the screen and looks awesome, I was wrong right here today, Not as right. I was wrong about the Avengers four years ago. Yeah, I said Avengers would never yeah, work, and there you go. Look, what a mm-hmm. stupid prediction that we got another. We got another Suicide tw- trailer, the final trailer for it. Um, we mm-hmm. also Rodrigo got yeah. a new Batman trailer. Yeah, the Lego Batman. Oh my God, this looks hysterical. Lego my Batman. So uh, I've seen mostly positive reaction to the Lego Batman stuff. Is that what you guys are seeing? Oh yeah, nothing but positive. I, I have not seen anybody complain. The only complaint that I had was when, when you first see the still images and it was like two or three days before the Batman uh, trailer went up that had Robin talking. Mm-hmm. When you look at that Robin figure, the first thought out of my mind is, Oh, they're incorporating Carrie Kelly into this. Yeah. That's, that's it's going to be a girl. Well. It's going to be girl Robin. And then you're like, Oh, that's Michael Sarah doing Robin. And it's, they specifically say in the trailer, it's his son. That's the only little weird nitpick I have because of the color of the hair and the green goggles. Uh, yeah. Other than that, this movie, every little bit I have seen from it is just laugh out loud funny. Batman so, comes off as just a super dork. I have I have this theory that um, the Lego Batman movie is going to do great because even the biggest Batman fanboys are actually sick of Batman. <laughs> like, 
everybody's just tired of the doom and gloom Batman. And basically the fact that the doom and gloom Batman has been so successful that he's essentially pulled the rest of the DC universe into the Batcave. Um, well, so, still the Lego you know, the, Lego Batman is still doom and gloom Batman. He's well, still, yeah, but he's I'm making fun dog. of them. Am I no, I, but he like, just the way he does it, it's pushed so far that it just is hysterical. Right. It's right. like he's the, over the, the top. Well, the Lego Batman is completely self-centered. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with being Batman. He's obsessed with his toys. He is neglectful of his adoptive <laughs> son. His adoptive son. I didn't right? even know and I had it's a son. Like, <laughs> these are actually all. Uh, valid criticisms. All, all criticisms that you could level at most iterations of Batman. But this, weirdly, this properly licensed movie is kind of creating this parody that is the most spot on, sh- like, shot between the eyes I have ever seen anybody take. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is that Warner Brothers is totally on board with this. I mean, they, yeah. they are just eating this up. And, and I think. It's really because people don't recognize it as such. Right. They don't say they don't see this and say, "Oh, this is an attack on Batman." But right. I feel that it is, and because it's humor, and because it's again going through the proper channels, is getting away with it. Oh, you know, it's like this is really kind of a weird sequel to the Lego Movie because no, Lego yeah, Batman yeah. is in the Lego Movie, right? 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 Yep. And I thought he was some of the best Dark. stuff in the Lego Movie because it's that character, right? Mm-hmm. No he's parents. Like, yeah, he's like so self-centered and angsty yep. and stupid terrible. and like, yeah, he's just like a terrible person, right? I, I, read, I read it. Yeah. I guess I kind of read it a little bit differently from you, Rodrigo. In that everyone's okay. it's an attack on Batman. I look at this as Warner Brothers is like, well. This Lego Batman is funny and he's humorous and he's uh, G slash PG, which means we can bring in the little kid bucks, which we won't be able to do with uh, Justice League or Batman v Superman. Right. So we're well, ca- we're capture we're take we're casting our bat net wide and sucking them all in. You've seen this There's... before, though, uh, with uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. kids cartoon, specifically just like bam right at the. <laughs> Uh, obnoxious dark, fan dark and right, gritty right, right. with yeah with with the batmite episodes yes well go ahead there's Matthew. a fine line between having fun with a property and making fun of the property and you can do both and part of the reason why dc can get away with it is the same reason why steven and i can say terrible things to each other but if we're on the twitter and somebody says that steven's a douche i'm gonna go no he's not yeah, because. everyone knows I'm a dick bag. Come on. <laughs> but that's the thing. DC is playing with the characters and they're doing it honestly yeah. kind of brilliantly with the Lego property mm-hmm. because Lego has that inherent fun, childish, woohoo, we can do whatever we want. I'm going to build a rocket ship. Yeah, and, yeah. Those, and those are all building parts. Well, it's mine now. Here's here's my big complaint. Oh, uh God. the day before the the Lego trailer went out, Lego unveiled their new um Batman Lego movie tie-in sets. Mm-hmm. And we get a really cool Joker Lincoln Continental kind of uh, lowrider uh, that looks really neat. But we also get a Batmobile. And one thing that I do and uh, that I've complained about a lot in the Lego videos that we do at the YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video, is that I'm kind of tired of every freaking Lego Batman set 
<laughs> has a bat vehicle in it. And I'm like, give but me Legos something are, else. Build, they're building things. You build toys. You build cars. Yeah, but give me, give me Superman's punchy, you know, punchy jet thing with the fist. The supermobile is give what it's that. called. Give me that. Give me Robin in something. Give me freaking cyborg thing. So Cyborg that's that's one of my biggest complaints, but I cannot wait to get the uh, I cannot wait to get this Joker lowrider. It looks pretty cool. It kind of does. I kind of wanted to go with my Batmobile. So with all of the um, with all of the the Warner Brothers movie stuff, the the Wonder Woman's and the Justice Leagues and the Suicide Squads and the Batman movies, uh, Lego Batman movies, um, do you feel better about Warner Brothers movies than you did last year after Batman v Superman or not? I didn't feel bad about Warner Brothers movies because I don't necessarily go to the movies, watch not movies. Not so much that. I watch movies all the time. I just don't necessarily watch them immediately when they hit the, the theaters and then forget about them three days later and say that they're old news. No, that's not true. But what I, what I feel they have learned from Batman v Superman seems to be going in a positive direction. Batman v Superman was a very specifically aimed property, and it was aimed at a chunk of the fandom that gets a lot of attention. And that, you know, the, the people who love it, love it and are perfectly welcome to it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with loving that movie. But I think they're realizing that that may not be the only approach they have to take. And mm -hmm. I put part of that on... Uh, the TV stuff that they've done with Berlanti, I put part of that on things like Batman, the Brave and the Bold. It seems like it's the the ship is turning in a direction that allows us for more than Tim Burton, angsty Batman mm -hmm. again. And I really I, I feel like that's a good thing. But I'm still vaguely worried about <laughs> everything. Well, I think there's still Suicide with, with Squad justice league that I'm worried about, you know? Well, I think, I think Suicide Squad will be really interesting in that. It's a different approach. I mean, it's literally the dirty dozen type movie. Um, so I think that will be, that will be fascinating. Um, what I think justice league has to work out is it's still a Zack Snyder film. I think my mm -hmm. big concerns about wonder woman is in the fight scenes. We're seeing Zack Snyder influence with the slow, fast, slow, fight sequence stuff going mm -hmm. on. Um, but overall, if I were to say, what is, what is my, my, what is my faith in these movies compared to last year? I have a lot more faith in these movies than I did last year at this time. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, and you know, you are right about the Zack Snyder influence, but one thing that the old fat comic book guy will tell you is that the Zack Snyder influence is actually the Frank Miller influence. Yeah. Yeah. And a Frank Miller Justice League sounds horrible, <laughs> but a Justice League that doesn't ignore the existence of a Frank Miller Batman yeah. could work so long as you've got maybe a little bit of Carrie Bates Superman in there and get yourself a little bit of Gail Simone Wonder Woman and get yourself some George Perez and Marv Wolfman Cyborg. If you put it all together, I feel like they have a chance to make this movie feel some light like they, flash. Yeah. They can make this movie feel like it built from separate places like the Marvel movies did without having to do it, as long as they are not going to tie everything to I'm Batman. Yeah. Okay. I'm Flash. Rodrigo, do you do you have more faith? Do you have uh, do you feel better or worse after after seeing this stuff compared to last year? Uh, I do feel better. 
better because it seems uh, so uh, to a certain degree, Warner Brothers is following the trend, right? Marvel and uh, also like Sony and uh, Fox just kind of with their own properties kind of set this tone for what superhero movies should be like. And uh, Warner Brothers was like entirely unable to get off the ground until the train was already out of the station, right? Um, mixed metaphor. Mixed there. metaphor. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. So until the train. Had oh, unless you're talking about down. Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, in which case your metaphor is right on point. Right. It's like a. It's like yeah. a um, Back to the Future Three train. We're yeah, talking about. It's so forgotten is what it is. Um. um so. <laughs> what was I getting at? Oh is yeah. Trombone. What? Oh. A point. Uh. It's it's actually kind of heartening now that Warner Brothers is like, oh, do, do people like funny superhero stuff? Let's do that, you know, because it it does kind of open them up. Like for a while, they were like, oh my god, Batman is the only thing that works. We have to keep doing Batman, you guys. But now that Marvel and Fox and other uh, companies have proven that you can get away from that, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll open up Warner Brothers to not just do Batman. It really, in a lot of ways, the Ben Affleck Batman is already kind of a departure from yeah. that Tim Burton Batman. Not as far of a departure as I would like, mm-hmm, um, right. but it's already kind of looking in different places. Oh yeah, yeah, and and people like people like Ben Affleck as as Batman. That was the biggest complaint when they announced it. People were like, "No, how can you make Ben Affleck Batman?" And now people are like, "You know, he's actually a pretty good Batman." Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned Mark Wade. Mark Wade was not, this is a sad story. Mark Wade was not at San Diego Comic-Con. He apparently has some flesh-eating virus that kept him at home. Yeah. So, uh, he said he's convalescing. He's just fine. Uh, but he does say if you ever catch what he has, you will see parts of yourself that you've never seen before. Good Lord. But um, boom. So there you go. Mark Wade, even in poor health, making jokes about gross, disgusting things. Ugh. Uh, this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Tweaked Audio. Tweaked Gross Audio. Gross and disgusting. Oh, no. <laughs> Tweaked Audio. Well, maybe after you put your earbuds in your ears, Matthew, and pull them out. But Tweaked oh, Audio snap. has so many different styles, so many different designs. High quality, I might add. My wife yeah. actually bought another pair so she can, uh, when she's going and doing her exercises. Uh, these are great. And listeners, you can head over to Tweaked Audio. Pick your favorite earbud out. And... We're going to give you a gift. <laughs> Go and pick it out. Go and pick it out. And when you check out, enter the checkout code MAJOR, and you're going to get 33% off the price of those earbuds from tweakedaudio.com. Like one third. Yep. One third off the cost. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Uh, everyone's screaming at their, at their ear, ear, earbuds. Yes. Screaming at their tweaked audio earbuds. Why don't you guys talk about Marvel? Okay, here's some Marvel news. Brie Larson has Marvel. been cast as Captain America, yes! as Captain Marvel. Sorry, Matthew. Sorry. You're pretty excited about this. Yeah! Okay, go on. Oh, would you please, like me to go please, on? Yes, exactly. That's why I said, there please tell us why you're excited the, about this, Matthew. Well, first of all, there's only one downside, and it is a very minor downside to the casting of Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. What's that? Well, Captain Marvel is, in the comics, a colonel in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And Brie Larson would have to work really, really hard to be a colonel in the Air Force at the age of 27. But this is the thing. There have been a lot of names floated 
for Carol Danvers. And many of the names worried me because Carol Danvers is a very complex beastie. And I will say that as late as 2007, I'm like, man, Marvel, they got that annoying Carol Danvers character and they're trying to force him into something that she's not. And I just, I just don't like it. And then they hit, they hit it. They got the new costume. They got a new viewpoint. They got the, the writing by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And Captain Marvel is literally a character who has earned her place in the top tier at Marvel. And I wanted somebody who can, you know, act. Mm-hmm. I was worried that they would give us another, like, 22-year-old Elizabeth Olsen. But not that there's anything wrong with Elizabeth Olsen. It's just that she's 22 years old. So we got somebody on – how can I put this delicately? On the high side of what Hollywood will actually hire in terms mm-hmm. of age – and we got somebody who feels like she can actually handle the nuance of the character and somebody much like, you know, Gal Gadot, who I feel like is going to have some fun with the role, but also be believable as somebody who's going to punch mm-hmm. you into the sun. I was hoping I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the announcement, too, but I was kind of hoping that they would just announce Jessica Biel as uh, as Captain Marvel. I've always for some reason thought of her would be she would make a really good Captain Marvel in this. But I'm I'm good with uh, with Brie Larson. See, I don't know about Jessica Biel's acting chops. She's I, all I, right. I mean, she's I mean, she's been fine in everything that she's she's been in. I was gonna say she's only like thirty five too. So, yeah. but you know, if if we're gonna have if we're going to have a Captain Marvel and we're going to have her carry her own film the way they they are going to do this, you definitely want to have somebody who also has some some screen cachet already mm-hmm. people know who brie larson is and by people i don't mean me because i've never seen anything she's in you've seen but scott pilgrim that's true i have and i'm familiar with her as an actress and i i guess she was in train wreck which i've seen and you know i she was in don john which we watched for zach so on would film. you like to continue to crap on your point <laughs> no <laughs> shut up here's my point ignore the fact that i say i haven't heard of her I'm just being a hipster. Brie Larson is good. She is a relatively big name. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's going to be something where people who don't know what Captain Marvel is might be drawn by her. And most importantly, she's really excited about it, you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, psyched. when you think about this, today if someone said, we want you to be in our, in our major comic book movie, that's like golden ticket time. I mean, I'd be and like, I'm, I'm not just saying, it. I'm not saying just from the, from the, from the, paycheck perspective but you're going to get a paycheck for four films probably then yeah. you're also on top of that you're going to be catapulted to the front of of everyone's attention because you're playing one of these roles that disney and marvel are pushing out there and spending a lot of money on these things so this is like a golden ticket opportunity uh look at look at uh, look at iron man look at uh, tony stark look at uh, robert downey jr um he has probably made more money in the last 10 years than he has in his entire career just from marvel and disney Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm glad that she's excited about it. It'd be a lot better than, yeah, well, you know, it's just a role. Rodrigo, you have right. thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the, the stuff that I've seen Brie Larson in. I think she'll do a fine job. I'm not that familiar with the Carol Danvers character. I've never really followed it. Um, but if the other uh, movies are any uh, indication, there's going to be a real synthesis of things. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just going to take it straight from the comics anyway. So I'm sure the 
hopefully the 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 role will be a good fit for her. Mm-hmm. And did you it, guys? Oh, sorry. Oh, did you see the CNN headline? Yeah, no. Shazam. Uh, Shazam! It said. Yeah, oh, Brie Larson is nice. Captain Marvel. <laughs> nice. I laughed and laughed, and then I, I don't realized know if they're being that, ironic or if they just don't know. No, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. And you know, I started thinking about that, and then I realized there's no way to explain that to somebody who doesn't have the background. So it's better yeah. to just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. This is this is his granddaughter. Yeah. Flip over to the television side. Um, Flash was kind of a big deal at Comic Con. Going back around to Flash. Because we know we got our first look at um, the trailer for season three. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, they are following the Flashpoint storyline. And it was confirmed that the Flashpoint storyline will spill out into Green Arrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and possibly Supergirl as well. Cool. So we're going to see some things. uh, What's her name? The girl that played um, Laurel Lance. Mm -hmm. um, Uh, Katie Lotz. Yeah. No, no, no. Not Katie Lotz. That's White Canary. Black Canary. Oh, um, Bob. The one, the one that died, apparently. What's um, her face? The head. Uh, she's been signed to be in um, a multi-show contract to, for her to appear in all four shows. The Wentworth Miller contract, we call that. Yeah, yeah. So she's going to be around a little bit. Uh, so what do you think of the Flashpoint there, Matthew? I'm perfectly happy with it. I, I'm a little worried, but then I'm always a little worried. I really do want to see what they do with it. And I wonder how long it's going to go because it's going to go at least half the season. See, that's, that's seems like it might be, boy, there's half the season is only like nine episodes. So you've got a first act. That's first act. That's three episodes or two episodes. And then you've got a four week stretch of trying to solve the problem. And then you've got Mm -hmm. a two week stretch of let's wrap it up and move on to the next story arc. Well, I I waited 13 months to read the end of Crisis on Infinite Earth, so that doesn't seem so bad. Uh, you know who I am happy to see back, though? Who's that? Uh, what's his name? Matt somebody who's playing uh, Reverse Flash. Oh, the guy that plays Eobard Thawne? Yeah, Evil Reverse Flash was uh, the villain from Good Morning Miami. Right, Ooh, and, and, and he's back. And the reason why he's back is we saw at the end of um, end of the season two that, of course, Barry Allen knocks Eobard Thawne out and mm-hmm. uh, changes the timeline. They also said that, hey, the big there's two big villains. Uh, well, actually three villains. But they did kind of point out in that trailer that Barry Allen is the villain of the first half of the season, essentially. I mean, unintentional villain. Uh, Dr. Right. Alchemy will also be play a big role in the first half of the season. And then we're mm-hmm. also seeing the Legion of Doom come to uh, Flash to uh, be the big bads. And I'm not talking about <laughs> Lex Luthor and Gorilla Grodd and Cheetah and all of that. We're talking about Eobard Thawne. Uh, we're talking Merlin. We're talking, right. uh, what's his name? Dark, Damien Dark. Damien Dark. And uh, Captain Cold. Captain Cold will be back as the uh, as the four uh, Legion of Doom characters for this next season, which I'm kind of cool that they're doing Legion of Doom. And I, I swear to you, if this rumor is true about who is in the uh, the pod in Supergirl, we will be getting Legion of Superheroes announced next year for next fall. I'm hoping so. The rumor oh. is... That and they've already cast the actor. They just haven't announced his name. The rumor is that that who is in that capsule? Monel, Daxamite, allergic to lead, thinks he's Superman's brother. Dude. And the only way to save him is to put him in the Phantom Zone, only to retrieve him a thousand years later or ten thousand years later, and have him be part of the uh, Legion of Superheroes. Now that 
Yeah, that could be awful. That Mon L? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mon L. Mon L. No, that would be awesome. Do this whole thing that he thinks he's another survivor of Krypton and it goes for yeah. three episodes before um as they're trying to protect someone from Kryptonite, they put it into lead and he suddenly freaks out. Now they didn't say that was an ongoing role. It was just like, oh, Monel. Well that makes sense. And then that makes perfect sense for Legion of Superheroes coming down the pipe. See, it's funny that they just cast that guy as Superman in the Supergirl uh, show, Mm -hmm. because if they had not announced that he's already played a werewolf, it's like he could just be Timberwolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now, um, they did address why Supergirl, why Superman is coming to the forefront. Basically, they said, hey, the first season, uh, Kara had to become her own hero. She had to be the star of the show, and she couldn't live into the shadow of Superman being on screen all the time, even though we saw his boots and his instant messages and his cape and his <laughs> shadow. We saw literally a shadow. shot. But, um, also, the pilot got rushed before we decided what our stance was on the movie right, universe. Right, right. right, right. And uh, now they feel like it, it's it's okay for him to be part of this, and certainly if Monel is part of this, then you will want to get Superman involved in that as well. I don't think so. I think you can do... Basically, any story that features Superboy mm-hmm. in the 70 year history mm-hmm. of Superboy, you run that sucker as a Supergirl story. They've already well, that's what they've been doing that. Right. One. I mean, that's what. Yeah. And that's yeah. why the that's why Taylor is a Superboy villain. That's why I think we're going to see Legion of Superheroes pop up in Supergirl because it will be, you know, Supergirl walking down the street as Kara, you know, with her glasses on and doing the teehee thing. And then suddenly, hee, oh, there's Supergirl over there. And she's like, who's that? What? Huh? And there's these three teenagers just picking on her. She's like, why you little kids got to pick on me? I'm a college graduate. Do, and then they does, reveal does Cara, does Cara do a lot of teehee in the Supergirl episodes? Yeah, yes. she's she's super fun and laughs a lot oh. and has fun in that show. So Okay, okay. Another weird rumor, and I wish Ashley was here tonight because I'm sure she would weigh in on this. But if you go over to Bleeding Cool, uh, they had this weird article that one mm. of their reporters was cornered at a cocktail party by one of the DC editorial people who basically mm. said... You want a story? I'll give you a story. We're killing Tim Drake. It's happening. And you don't need to call a phone number for it. What do you think of that? Killing Tim Drake. Um, I'm, I, I know that somebody, probably Jeff Johns, is not a Tim Drake fan. But Tim Drake has done more for Robin than Dick Grayson ever did. And certainly more than Damian Wayne has ever done. And again, they tried to throw him into the future and have him in some alternate world where he was going to, to be written off. And now if they're really going to kill him because of uh, Teen Titans Rebirth with Damien in charge there, I'm going to be a little upset. This is another example of DC's problem dealing with character progression mm-hmm. because they did this. This is this goes back years. But if you look back at the quintessential case in Infinite Crisis, when Connor Kent, Superboy, bit the big one, they were actually going to kill Dick Grayson. Right. And DiDio's reasoning was that Dick Grayson can never be Batman, but we can't have him go back and be Robin. So we might as well kill him. Mm-hmm. You, you've got that that choke point where Batman will always be 29 years old, and no matter how much Batgirl and Robin grow up, they can't surpass Batman, and Batman will forever be 29 years old, and even if he dies, it'll only be for eight months in a stunt. But if they kill Tim Drake, I think what you're going to get is another Kyle Rayner situation, because people who love Tim Drake grew up with Tim Drake. Tim Drake is the only Robin awesome ever. Ooh, ooh, ooh. By the way, that was me talking like Ashley. I don't know if that worked. No, it didn't. The awesomest Robin that ever did Robin, says Ashley. But I agree. I mean, I think Snapchat's Tim Drake is the best that. Robin. Snapchat, Snapchat, hashtag YOLO. 
but no wait that's you're doing that wrong confused i am doing that wrong i have no idea how to be a canadian actress but i can tell you as a kansan comic nerd if they kill him i give it five years I know. I, I know. I think that if they kill him, he's he's done. They won't bring him back in five years. They, they will he bring will. him back. They will. No. Bring him oh, back. you know how they're going to bring him back? Because he'll be the next Red Hood. That's how they'll bring him back. They'll do something they'll stupid. Probably like that. they'll probably swerve his death and have him be I, something else. Entirely. I hope it's just a drunken rumor that someone was trying to yank bleeding cool's chain. But I, I kind of see, you know, we saw that kind of written on the on the wall months ago. And I just think that they're looking for an excuse to get rid of his character because he's more popular than the other ones that maybe someone like Jeff Johns likes a lot more. Where's Connor Kent now that Chris Kent is Superboy? Connor Kent doesn't exist in the new 52. Yes, he does. He was in the Teen Titans. He had his own book. It was called Superboy. No, that's been all redacted. You You know what? Damian Wayne is the best Robin. No, Uh, he isn't. uh, Blasphemer. Blasphemer. So we went through. We went through our top eight stories that uh, we thought were interesting at the San Diego Comic-Con. I went through our archives to see what stories the readers were most interested in uh, over the San Diego Comic-Con. And here they were. Uh, Number one, the number one story people were most interested in is Kurt Russell is Ego the Living Planet. As Matthew said before, we knew Kurt Russell was coming in. We had a 90% uh, probability that he would be uh, Peter Quill's father. We Mm -hmm. just needed a name. And now we know the name Giant Living Planet in the Sky. Ego. Uh, Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Uh, It'll be interesting to see it. Um, They also unveiled the costume. At yeah, the show, which, which is funny because like he'll be ego, the living planet. Here's a person costume. Which? Like, I was I was really, really, really hoping because, you know, that it's like a planet that. it Yeah, that it well, would just be, be like a solar system. Mm-hmm. And they right. would just like have like a little arrow pointing out a little dot. Ding. Yeah. The thing about it is ego has in the past multiple times created humanoid, mm-hmm. human-sized, or slightly larger than human-sized avatars to interact with normal human-sized people. Right. Ha- happens all the time. It's yeah. not unheard of. In, in fact, it, our fourth most looked-at story was, how does a living planet become Peter Quill's father? Right. Uh, James Gunn well, basically... Well, when a woman and a planet love yes, each other, love each other so much. much. Uh, James Gunn basically, without giving it all away, basically says that, this is a mystical thing that is as old as the universe and just keep watching because it will make sense once you see it. So yes, humanoid, uh, offshoot sprout, something like that. The question that I have, and this is a weird kind of thought that popped up in the Marvel. What is it? The ultraverse. One of the infinity gems in the ultraverse is the ego gem. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if somehow Kurt Russell being ego, the living planet if somehow the gems are tied into that, and that is why Peter Quill was able to grab the Infinity Stone in the um, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie without blowing up, I think it's implied. I think it's implied that his mysterious past had something to do with yeah, that. His half human heritage. It's it's flat out stated. I think. Well, the they, they were talking that. about Peter Quill's father is right. very mysterious. Yeah. 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 Uh, our number two yeah, story, yes. number two story is uh, read upon by the, uh, the listeners and the readers. Brie Larson is captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, number three, the one that I thought you were going to want to talk about a lot, Matthew was, uh, this new movie, the woods, 
Yes. Uh, they were doing a they were doing a screener of this at Comic-Con and they were just saying, hey, this is a horror movie, whatever. People showed up to it and they're like, hey, this movie you thought was The Woods, the real name is The Blair Witch Project or just The Blair Witch. The Blair Witch. So it is a sequel to the original Blair Witch movie, Matthew. Yes. It is a found yes. footage movie. Apparently the hero of this uh, sees a YouTube video in which he thinks he sees his sister mm-hmm. in, his, his missing sister. Heather. Right. And so he and some friends go off on a quest to find her. And um, it, horror ensues. The main reason that I didn't want to talk about that is my entire input is, boy, this could be a train wreck. I'm going to go see it and see if it's awesome. Did you see the trailer? Did you watch I the trailer? I watched the trailer that we saw. Yeah. But I mean. Scary? Mm-hmm. Not scary. Are you well, sitting there going, oh, my God, this is real? It's a, it's a trailer. Were you sitting there going, oh, my God, guys, this is real? I don't think anybody ever looked at it and went, oh, my God, you guys, this is real. Didn't you do that I with the first Blair Witch movie? And you were like, oh, my God, this is real, guys. And then no. you found out it wasn't real. No, because, you see, I worked in television at the time and I saw interviews with Heather on going to the movies or oh, whatever the Cisco okay. show was before the movie came out. But here's the thing. Going to that movie and realizing that they're actors getting paid to play roles does not change the the enjoyment of the movie for me because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but most of the movies out there are actors getting played. To play what? Lies. No Jurassic Park is a documentary. Yes, yeah, everyone exactly. knows that. That's why they have I, uh, David Attenborough's uh, brother doing that stuff. <laughs> I am such a sucker for a found footage movie, though. Yeah, I think that this is going to be something that even if it sucks, it's going to be right in my wheelhouse because I've now watched Unfriended three times. It's the worst movie ever, but it's just fascinating to sit and watch these kids having a Skype conversation and getting murdered for two hours. Yeah, didn't they do? um, Didn't they do a couple Blair Witch sequels already? There was the Blair Witch Two Book of Shadows, which is terrible and should be disavowed. Yeah, it's the Blair Witch. that movie had uh, the guy from Burn Notice, and it was basically supposed to be people who <laughs> know that the movie wasn't real. No, the other guy. <laughs> the main guy from Burn Notice. Yeah, Michael, Bruce Campbell. Michael oh, okay. No, the other guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. The actual protagonist of yeah, the movie. Yeah, you know Burn Notice. <laughs> yeah, so Bruce Burn Campbell. He was in that movie with the protagonist, The protagonist that they replaced in season three for a whole other different protagonist guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, no, you are thinking of an entirely different show, but here's the thing. It is a, that movie is terrible and it's terrible because it tries too hard to be a big Hollywood production that plays on the tropes of the Blair Witch. And I feel like if you're going to do this, you have to play it straight. You have to have some sort of, I don't want to say fidelity, but almost fidelity to the fact that, okay, let's pretend this really happened. Let's pretend these kids were out there. This is all a found footage movie. A sequel has to take that same tack. You have to approach it from that pseudo mockumentary mm-hmm. found footage well, feel. From the trailer, kind of, I mean, you don't get that from the trailer because it's just these right. sweeping landscapes thing. Right. Saying, it's just, hey, we're going to Vancouver, a place where this movie didn't even begin. Words was will yeah. fly at. I, the- uh, I, I found some footage and, um, yeah, what wasn't very good. Uh, the killing joke, uh, came out today on the digital and, um, here's what I'll say. The first 20 minutes is a backstory of Barbara Gordon and it does include a sex scene with her and Batman in it. It's totally unnecessary for this film. 
Okay, it can totally be cut out. I think they're trying to make Barbara something more than just someone who gets shot in the gut. Right. Mm -hmm. The rest of the movie is total straight adaptation of of the killing joke. I mean, you can go and watch scene for scene, panel for panel and compare them in the book. And it's exact. So they did a very good adaptation of that. But even then, Killing Joke is a movie that, and just as a book, is something that is dicey and controversial. And we've reviewed it on the show and we've talked about it on the show. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, I still have a lot of mixed feelings about it. It's not high on my list. It ranks slightly above Gotham Knights as uh, the, the Warner Brothers uh, animated movies uh, archive goes. It does answer the question of whether the Joker did have sex or did not have sex with Barbara after he shot her. Depending on how that answer goes, that might actually be the only improvement. Um, the answer is yes. Oh, oh then but you don't no. you don't see it because yeah. the Batman is going and he's uh, asking questions and he comes across a bunch of prostitutes and they're like, oh yeah, usually when the Joker breaks out, um, he usually comes to us first. Uh, that's odd that he didn't come to us because he likes yeah. to roll in the hay. And, and, and then and then one of the other prostitutes says, yeah, he must have found someone else. Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, mm. so I'm Gross. not recommending it. It is R rated um, mostly for language and violence because you do see people getting shot in the head. You do get, see, you know, Barbara Gordon get shot in the spine. Yeah. Probably not something I'm recommending. And literally the first 20 minutes of the movie is a whole different movie. It's like it yeah. should have been a short in itself. Um, I- I can understand why they did it in that they were trying to show that this has become a bigger, a bigger issue for Batman to deal with the Joker because it's shot a former lover and also captured his best friend. But it's, it's, it's the implication needed. that he, he needed to have a romantic relationship well, with her for him to have no, cared. It, it also that bothers. It me. also tears down Barbara Gordon in that she's pining away for Batman as this man she lusts after and she can't have until she finally takes control of the situation and it's it's just not very good so i mean if you guys want to watch it go ahead but if you're familiar with the source material except for the first 20 minutes it's a faithful adaptation of the source material and if you want to see that go for it um i watch it because i felt like i needed to watch it to comment on it and now that i've seen it and i've commented on it i can't say to rush out and buy it yeah, there's so there there's no there's no fixing the killing joke. No, the there killing, isn't. the mm-hmm. moment you change enough stuff uh, about the killing joke to make it say palatable or more of a feminist narrative, it can't possibly be no. that same story anymore. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And that's that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing if they did change it enough yeah. that it wasn't the same story anymore. Uh, the number five story that everyone was interested in at major spoilers was the Marvel's The Defenders teaser trailer. They come here, where we come get to see, uh, Where we get to see the hand becoming the big bads that all of the Defenders must team up against and fight. Because um, <laughs> nothing says realistic gritty like ninjas. Yeah. Like immortal ninjas. Everybody, immortal ninjas. From number six, planet. everyone wants to know what's going on with Spider-Man Homecoming. There were two bits of footage that they showed at the uh, Hall H presentation. The first one was the Guardians of the Galaxy footage. The second one was some Spider-Man Homecoming footage. Neither one of those have been released, but we do kind of have a feel for what's coming in Spider-Man Homecoming, including the Vulture, possibly um, uh, the Shocker, or is it Electro? They're both the same guy. Um, <laughs> and I forget the who the other potential shocker. bad guy is. The shocker has vibratory power. Oh, okay, vibratory. Powers. Electro right. has electrical power. Okay, it's one of those two. It's one of those two guys. So there you go. Uh, number seven, the Wonder Woman trailer. Everyone's interested. Number eight, 
the new Doctor Strange trailer, which looks kind of trippy. Uh, number nine, the Justice League footage. And number 10, Ghost Rider coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this fall. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of, they unveiled the car, uh, Robbie Reyes's car on uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, show floor. And that looks pretty cool. And then, of course, that- who is that? Gabriel Luna, I believe, is the actor who will be playing um, Ghost Rider in, in the coming season. And that's something that, again, was something that may have been released way ahead of the of the show because there was a I think it, was it was a trail teased. I think it was a trail uh, I'm sorry a train a light rail system uh, running either in San Diego or up in Los Angeles that had the you know the big shield logo and then it had a big flaming chain running down the entire length of the uh, of the train and people yep. were like oh ghost rider's coming next year so when they unveiled it people were like oh yeah it's ghost rider and oh the only thing we didn't know was whether it was going to be Robbie Reyes or whether it was going to be a guy riding a motorcycle or whether it was going to be a guy riding a horse. So now we have our answer. And this is an important lesson to learn. All y'all get your Marvel movies. If you tank, we're going to bust you down to television and that's where you will stay. (laughs) Oh, so that means we're going to see a fantastic four show coming out soon. Well, we did also get to see a (laughs) Legion trailer. Uh, It's going to be an eight issue miniseries on the FX network. Uh, So we may see some additional X-Men pop up in that show. Yeah, that would, that would be that interesting. Was, that was interesting. When they first announced like months and months ago that they were getting the rights to Legion, mm-hmm. I was like, really? Legion? Can and it's like, guy? and then I'm like, oh, they're just doing something else with it. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. I could, I could get down with this. Yeah. yeah. Well, FX has the strain and it's not a whole lot like the original comic either. Yeah. Sure. So there you go. There were the stories we were interested in. There were the stories that you were interested in. And I think that wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We're going to be back next week to talk Ghost World because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm going to rearrange your things. podcast is copyright 2016 by major spoilers entertainment llc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill